Canadians feel China has not come clean on the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the picture is quite clear, as a new Angus Reid Institute survey points out. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're again coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. In the span of just six months, the views of Canadians about China have plummeted. The latest numbers from Angus Reid Institute find a mere 14% of us have a favorable opinion of China, and that's down from 29% just before the outbreak. To find out more about Canadians' views right now, I am pleased to be joined by Shachi Curl, the executive director of the Angus Reid Institute. And Shachi, considering the Meng Wanzhou Huawei incident uh, in uh, late 2019, did Canadians hold a favorable opinion on China? Well, the views of China, uh, and let me be very, very, very clear, when we talk about uh, these survey data, uh, when we talk about views of China, we're not talking about views of people of Chinese heritage or, or, or ethnicity. We're actually talking about views of Beijing, of the Chinese re- regime. Those views have been deteriorating for a while. They were as high as 58% in 2005, uh, and you've just walked through what they've been more recently. Um, so some of this has had to do with an ongoing perception in the minds of Canadians that China has a problem in terms of its human rights record. Um, some of it has had to do with the trade wars that we have uh, been dealing with uh, from China. So in the wake of uh, the Hmong arrest, um, and of course we're talking here about the, the Huawei executive that mm-hmm. uh, the Canadian authorities detained at, at the request of the U.S. government. Remember for a while they were the, the Chinese government was then not taking our canola, not taking our grain, uh, refusing to, to buy from us. Uh, then there has been the detention of the two Michaels, uh, Covey and Spaver, who have been uh, held Canadian citizens uh, in in China who who were held initially uh, without uh, any charge for the longest time. They've only recently um, been told what they're 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 being held for uh, without the due process uh, and without really the comfort um, that Ms. Meng is enjoying here in in house arrest in in Vancouver. So, look, we have had our struggles as Canadians with the Chinese regime for a while. This has been building uh, and, uh, and the COVID situation has certainly just driven it that much lower. What do Canadians want to see done when dealing or trading with China? So the relationship with China has always been one that is a bit of a a tension point or a push and pull, if you will, between um, wanting to or or, or being mesmerized at times by the, the very the 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 absolutely huge economic market that that China represents and so Canada at times has felt like pursue trade we should really be doubling down on the economic opportunity uh, but at the same time uh, we also really are of a view that uh, that human rights needs to be something that has uh, as as much or, or primacy in terms of the relationship that push and pull that face-off has uh in the last few years really been very unequivocal in the minds of canadians they want to put human rights first so even if that means economic loss uh even if that means opportunities lost in terms of jobs and trade 
they, the Canadians, say that this is a country that, that really needs to be held to account on its human rights record. Which Canadians are most optimistic and pessimistic about China? Well, some of that has to do with um, how you vote politically. But, but, but when Ed, when 84, 85% of Canadians have a, uh, a negative or an unfavorable view of that country. Only 14% have a favorable view. Uh, what that means is really it's everyone, right? You've got mm-hmm. a massive amount of unanimity. Uh, conservative, past conservative voters tend to be a little bit more intense in their unfavorable views of the Chinese regime than, than liberal or NDP voters. But let's be very clear. Uh, it's across the board. It it crosses age demographics. It crosses regional lines because again, when you're, when you're dealing with a favorability number that is that low, it really just means that that everyone is sort of of the same mind on this. Shashi Curl is joining us on the unpublished cafe executive director of the Angus Reed Institute. As we look at their latest numbers on Canadians views on the Chinese government And, you know, a lot of Canadians look to the U.S. Obviously, we've got the clearest view to see how they're dealing with the pandemic. Have Canadians changed their opinions about Americans as well as uh, other countries around the world? Well, the Canadian views of the United States are now at what we what we believe is is something like a 40 year low. Like it's 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 also at a nadir at the moment. Some of that has to do with what's happening around COVID-19 and the coronavirus pandemic. But a lot of it, of course, was deteriorating again well before that happened. Uh, We went through a pretty bruising renegotiation of our trade agreement with the United States. Um, In general, when we poll Canadians on their views of Donald Trump, the, the numbers are not very good. So that is a relationship that that has becoming uh, has become a little frostier in terms of how Canadians view the United States again, not Americans, but the U.S. and and really sort of the the administration there. Um, it's it's one that's been deteriorating again for a while, uh, and really our, our view of what's happened in the last uh, eight weeks, the last two months uh, around the pandemic certainly hasn't done anything to uh, increase our favorability of of uh, towards the United States. You know, you know, China has huge buying power, which is obviously a benefit to Canadians. Now, do Canadians want to continue the relationship or look for other trade opportunities? Well, Canadians are always um, assessing who we should be trying to get closer to in terms of that trading relationship. And, you know, the EU uh, and the U.S. continue to be at the top of that list, even though we may be a bit annoyed at our our, our largest uh, trading partner, our greatest ally, our next door neighbor in the U.S., um, you still see significant numbers of Canadians saying, well, look, uh, this this is still our largest trading partner. the desire to pursue closer trade ties with China has plummeted down to just um, 11% among Canadians. And again, you see the the clarity and and the and the and the lack of doubt in the minds of Canadians at this point in time around that relationship. 
an overwhelming majority uh, when we ask them don't believe that the Chinese regime has been transparent about what it has known um, when it came to the coronavirus. And an overwhelming majority also uh, are of the view that uh, the the Chinese uh, telco uh, Huawei, the, the big uh, telecom company, should not have a role in building out Canada's 5G mobile network. So again, pretty unequivocal here. Uh, we don't really want Chinese companies involved in foreign direct investment. We don't want them building out our mobile networks. And uh, and even if there is an economic cost, Canadians appear to be signaling that they're prepared to to take that. Um, even you know, even even if there is economic suffering as a result. That was that was my my next question. I was wondering. You know, we we all want to sort of stand up and say we're gonna, you know, stand up to the whoever is the problem. But you know, when it comes down to, to dollars and cents, you know, you might be you know biting your nose in spite of your face. Well, there is always that. Um, there's always a, a, an aspect of it, and indeed. That, that is why policymakers and politicians in some ways um, will sometimes dismiss uh, polling results or public opinion results and say, well, you know, we, we can't, we can't uh, make a policy based on real politics. But let's also not uh, forget that Justin Trudeau himself, our prime minister, attempted to forge some closer trade ties and a mission to China some years ago. Uh, and and really came back empty-handed. So this is a relationship now that I think Canadians view as rather broken, and uh, they they would prefer to pursue relationships with with other countries where possible. Chachi, I want to thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ed. Chachi Curl is the executive director of the Angus Reid Institute. It appeared the prime minister was hesitant to point fingers or lay blame when these views started rising, even referred to it as racist, which I don't believe because the reference is to the Communist Party of China, not the people itself. But in recent days, the prime minister sounding more like he'd like to pursue more evidence. John McKay is a liberal MP from Scarborough, as well as the chair of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security. And he, unlike most of his caucus, has been clear in his views and he joins us now. And John, it, it seemed like you were the only liberal sport even talk about uh, China in this pandemic. Did you feel more of uh, more of your caucuses uh, lining up with your view? Well, uh, good question, to which I really don't have a good answer. I think my colleagues are starting to get a little frustrated with the attitude of the government of China, particularly the president. Um, the relationship between China and Canada was uh, deteriorating pre-pandemic, and thir- certainly uh, during the pandemic, things have not improved. Um, and uh, it largely, in, in part at least, it's, it centers around the WHO, that the sense is that um, a lot of the data was um, suppressed or manipulated uh, to the benefit of the Communist Party and to the, the government. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of blame to go around here, Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States has essentially abandoned the WHO right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, so the entity, the nation to whom the rest of the world looks to for leadership in these multilateral organizations uh, for its own purposes, just uh, uh, just abandoned the WHO and uh, left the rest of us to our own devices. And as you well know, power abhors a vacuum. Mm-hmm. And uh, when um, uh, 
when uh, the United States decided to do what it did, it kind of gave an implicit permission to the United, to the uh, government of China to do what it does best, which is uh, bully the rest of us. You know, it's uh, it's interesting that like, these uh, voices are rising a lot more. And I noticed yesterday, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney went on a tirade and and. The consulate, and uh, the Chinese consulate in Calgary came back at him. I was a little surprised by that. Were you? No. Um, I think they call it warrior diplomacy. Um, the Chinese government, for its own purposes, and I'm not quite sure I understand the philosophy, has basically abandoned the protocols of diplomacy and, um, and uh, pushed back uh, rather aggressively um, against any uh, criticism of the government of China, no matter how benign or how, may, how well coached. But also take note that our own uh, ambassador in China was, um, was pretty aggressive this week in his mm-hmm. own commentary mm-hmm. about uh, the nation with whom Canada, uh, the nation that he represents in, in China. And uh, so uh, we may be entering into a, uh, a new phase of, um, I was going to mm-hmm. say diplomatic niceties. Mm. <laughs> Maybe we're just going to drop the, the niceties. I take note as well that the Globe and Mail had a interesting cartoon, uh, which was uh, that um, it was the velvet glove of the government of China donning, on, uh, donning a knuckle duster. Uh, so I think it's, uh, you know, I've, I've argued pre-pandemic that we are in a, um, uh, a uh, multilateral, uh, multi-phase conflict zone with China. And it doesn't much matter whether it's uh, military or security or uh, intellectual or research or patents, you know, pick your field. Um, uh, this is a, uh, a, multi, a multilateral um conflict and um and uh, we just better grow up and realize this is the new this is a new normal has china been a concern for the standing committee on public safety and national security we kind of danced around it at the uh, last parliament um mm-hmm. got into some uh issues around the uh, uh, the provision of um teleconference services primarily around huawei but uh, to be candid with you, I didn't think that we really delved into it uh, in a way that we should have. And what would you like to have delved into more? Well, I'd like to see the committee take on uh, that um, entire relationship as as a um, security issue. Uh, primarily, it is, in my judgment, uh, the, the prime security in, uh, issue of the 21st century. Um, it is an asymmetrical conflict. Uh, security and defense are um, are, uh, are leading edges of that conflict, but there's all kinds of other uh, areas of conflict as well. I mean, just this morning's paper, um, the United States was cutting off uh, Huawei from using uh, chip makers that uh, come from uh, come from uh, the United States or any other mm-hmm. country, presumably with whom uh, the United States does business. John McKay is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's the Liberal MP for Scarborough and the chair of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security as we talk about Canadians' views on China. And and what about China's story But in this outbreak? Do you want to question? Uh, pretty well everything. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I think the, the, uh, I'm not into big conspiracy theories and things of that nature. I, I, uh, would, would like to just simply take the Australian position, frankly, which is, um, just let us in, see how the, how the data arose. Don't try to manipulate the data. Um, it may well have been that there is a benign explanation. I'd be a little cynical about that, but, um, but, uh, at least, uh, let's start with, uh, the data itself. And, um, once we get to a, a full and transparent disclosure of the data, we can make some, de- uh, make some decisions as to, uh, what's in the best interests of, uh, Canada, but also, uh, of the rest of the world. You've called Taiwan a, a shining light in this crisis. How so, and, and what could we learn from that? Well, the Taiwanese have existed uh, with uh, China for what the better end of a century, coexisted, I suppose, um, and have learned um, a thing or two about how to deal with um, a nation that is multiply bigger than it is. Um, they've also uh, are the most westernized uh, democratic nation of the um, of the Asia Pacific region, so um, I think we should be paying a bit of attention to um, uh, how they deal with it. And and uh, one of the, uh, the the ways is that they call uh, call uh, China out when China needs to be called out. Now, uh, there's been talk about uh, Magnitsky sanctions legislation uh, for for China. Uh, How would that work? Um, It's an attractive tool. I'm not as convinced. I I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. friends with Bill Browder and and Marcus Colgan, and I think the world of both of them. Um, I'm not as clear how this would be as effective. Uh, the the underlying theory of uh, Magnitsky legislation is that uh, bad people do bad things in their country of origin, primarily Russia, but other countries as well, and uh, then uh, take their uh, their ill-gotten gains and hide them in Canadian real estate and other quote-unquote investments. Um, that may well be happening in uh, from from uh, China. Uh, I. I'm sure I, I don't think I have to work very hard to find that kind of evidence, but I don't know that that's actually the issue. Uh, the issue is uh, the government of uh, China uh, adopting a uh, diplomatic military security posture, which is at odds with the rest of the world and um, and don't really care who they offend, how they, uh, how they um, uh, uh, deal with uh, the rest of us, um, and use every uh, power lever that they have. Now, you know, to, to, to not say that there isn't some uh, Chinese investment from certain uh, people of dubious origins uh, coming to into Canada would be extremely naive. But I, I with with uh, with greatest respect, I think that's a bit of a um, uh, a rabbit hole uh, down which we may end up, but uh, that's not the rabbit hole I'd be going down right now. John, I want to thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for the invitation and um, appreciate the questions and uh, we'll see where this all goes. John McKay's the Liberal MP for Scarborough and the chair of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security. And that leads to our unpublished odd vote question. Does Canada need to reevaluate its relationship with China. 
Yes, no, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now. I want to thank Shashi Curl of the Angus Reed Institute for joining us and John McKay, Scarborough MP, Chair of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.